You're listening to Success Up North. This podcast is a way for me to document my journey searching for success as a grower, family man, and business leader. I'll link with other leaders to highlight how they manage to do the boring work consistently and create their own version of success. Success is relative, but to me, it means relationships, families, teams, products, and solutions that get better every day. I'm grateful for you tuning in. I was way, way unhealthy, way overweight, uh, addicted to pharmaceuticals, like all sorts of different, you know, unhappy, all the depressed. Things all the things that could happen to an individual. And I fucking love every minute of my life right now. Cause I have purpose. Like what, what yeah. am I, what am I doing and why am I doing it? Um, and I, you know, like the guys that work for me now, um, they're kind of like the, the Guinea pigs in that I'm taking all of these things that I'm learning and I'm putting them into trainings and for, you know, forming, um, how to, uh, guides for these guys to navigate like, Hey man, I would love for two years from now, if I can't promote you to general manager or cultivation manager, you can go fucking get a job down the road, like wherever exactly. you want getting cultivation manager or general manager. And I like, I want you to be so fucking hungry that you're challenging me. Like, Hey man, I need to be making more money right now. Cause I'm fucking crushing. And I'm going to be like, dude, I can't pay you anymore. They're not going to let me, but I'm going to call homie down the road because I know he needs someone. Like yep. that's the kind of culture community that I, I, you know, growers, growers are a different breed and we're always going to be a different breed. We're going to be misunderstood um, by C-suite. We're going to be misunderstood by all sorts of different people. And they're going to say, why would you do those things? Because we want to, because we love it, you know? And so like trying to create a, uh, a community around that is like the ultimate uh, goal. And then, you know, from there, dude, coaching is really just about accountability because a lot of the things that I fucked off with early in my small business career and like early as a grower was just like not doing the basics that I needed to do, dude, like showing up and fucking doing pour throughs every Tuesday and Thursday. So I knew what the fuck was going on in my substrate, showing up and doing batch tank, you know, like just the the basics that if you don't do, you end up creating problems. And so like trying to help, you know, young growers, uh, or folks that are trying to get to that next level understand those things and how to create systems around them and like um, how to navigate when you have a problem. Like, I think those are, it's just, it seems like when you're getting into it, it all kind of like we, like you mentioned earlier, as you get into something, you're like, ah, yeah, I got this. Okay, cool. And the deeper you get, you're like, holy fuck, there are so many intricacies to this. And then the deeper you go, it just keeps like, the deeper you go, the less, you know, like there's just no yeah. way around it. And that's the, and it's humbling. Um, but it's also inspiring. And like you said earlier, it's anxiety drive driven, uh, or it drives anxiety, but it also gets you excited. It's the, it's the same thing. Um, so yeah, man. Yeah, um, no, exactly. And like, I feel like just, it's funny that you say something about pour throughs because that's one of the biggest things right now that, that I'm, I'm struggling with. It's like, Hey, I, I, what, I don't know what's wrong with my plants. And I was like, all right, well, what's, what are the inputs? And it's like, well, all right, that sounds good. That sounds good. Or like, what are the outputs? Like what, what's coming out of your plant? It's like, well, well, what do you mean? Like I could foliar spray. And it's like, well, I don't know if that's necessarily going to fix anything for you. Um, uh, it's just like, you know, plants haven't evolved for 
millions of years to only take nutrients through their leaves. Um, so I think that it's important to put some eyes on the root zone and, and, and at least get some understanding there. And every time we do, you always find that like, no matter how much data you have, if you're just looking at numbers, it's like super hard to kind of figure out where, where to go. Uh, but if you're looking at something like, if you're actually looking at the plant and then you're, and you know what your inputs are, and then you're pulling a little bit of data from your output, it's like the, the answer's in there somewhere, or at least just the discipline of knowing that you're not going too far over or too far under on anything. So I, I like the checks and balances of doing a pour through or, or runoff testing or, or however you want to. Um, describe it but i find that yeah. sometimes no matter how much experience or education somebody has it's like the, it's the small things like that that get them tripped up it's it's not the super complicated intricate problems it's the um what are your dry cycles like what are your inputs like and what are you coming out so. the consistencies of of day in day out like one of our one of our best growers and dude like oh man i love this guy like i don't even like he is he is the model like of what i want to see go from being a dude that was like jamming his hand into the ground two years ago to put plants in the ground out in the field to like a couple years from now being a general manager of you know thousand light facility because he is that type of dude and he's just calm cool collected calculated like he just like And he has so much potential because he just does the basics over and over like clockwork. He's, he's the dude where he's getting up from break time because his alarm goes off and every other person sees him getting up and they follow him just because he's that consistent. Like he's their, he's their alarm clock. And it's like, I want to see this dude like shine because he's got so much opportunity. And the coolest thing is, is like, he didn't fucking go to school for plants. He doesn't need to fucking go to school for plants. He doesn't need to go to college for anything related to horticulture or business or anything like that. He just needs to be consistent, show up, continue to want to learn and become a better leader over time. And like, he could have a six figure career. It's it's so interesting because I'm watching the exact same thing happen. It's like we we made a lot of really really good hires um, last year, and um, they and I watched one of my guys uh, who's very confident in in what he does go from really 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 insecure to now this year everyone's following him now. It's like it's just very very. It was really interesting. I knew the the punchline is I knew what was going to happen. So like I, I just saw it from from afar and I was like, oh, this is gonna be a really, really cool journey for him. And then we were able to, you know, provide him with the income he never thought possible. Um, this this is the you know best kind of situation he's been able to put himself in. So it, it's it's wild watching what like for being a kid and like thinking you knew how it was gonna go, um, to actually seeing what it takes to to be a leader and be consistent and how to get people to follow you. Um, it's, 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 it's funny how simple it is. And the, 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 the least complex thing about it is, is the execution, right? You just have to get there before anybody else, be willing to stay there longer than anybody else, and then try to help as many people as humanly possible throughout the day, do better in their job, not just tell people what to do, but actually show them and, and, and watch them or watch you get results through them. And then they build car, then you build confidence and then, then you have trust and then, uh, then you have a team. Yeah, so dude, I, that's my, that's it, my favorite thing about this, this industry 
and farming in general um, is like, you have to build a team. Like there's just no way around it. And I feel like the sports that I played growing up um, gave me like the, the love for camaraderie and like putting, you know, like we didn't go out and handpick all these people. That's not how it's going to work. And that's how it was with all the sports teams I grew up you know, playing, right. It wasn't, you know, we weren't, we weren't out there. Oh yeah. We're going to get this guy from this County and this guy from this County. Yeah. We played some travel ball, but still like, it wasn't like that. And that's not how it's going to be here. Like you're going to get a certain amount of local folks. You're going to get maybe some people that come in from outside because you recruit them, but like you're dude. And I love my team so much, but like when I first got here, I remember I was like, you know what? The way we're acting right now, I think it's going to be like over the next couple of years, it's going to be like it follows the progression of the bad news bears almost like in that like this hodgepodge group of folks that, you know, kind of like don't really necessarily fit that well together, just start to like play and get shit done together and become a team and like, you know, graduate beyond the bad news bears uh, and like become pretty badass. But like that's that's what you get in these operations where you're in rural spots. Maybe you're kind of close to the city. You also got people that uh, you don't have everyone that's interested in growing cannabis or first of all, like they might be interested in farming, but they're not interested in growing cannabis. So then you got this subset of people who are interested in like farming and cannabis. And it's just like a, a unique pool to pick from. And so like building a team in the industry is not like, a, a small feat and i think that that's probably one of the most fun pieces of all of it is the characters and how they add up uh i think if there's one thing that i will accomplish this year that i didn't accomplish last year is we are going to make playing cards for every single member of the core team so like nice you know uh weaknesses strengths um their stats those types of things superpowers because I think that's really what it is. We're all a, a team of a team players um, that love fucking growing weed. And uh, it's cool to be a part of. And it seems like every time I was down, like last time I was down at your spot, it seemed like that was the kind of definitely the, the culture. Um, you know, obviously there's some people who are, are Debbie downers uh, here and there. It is what it is. You know. You're always gonna get that. Like I, I feel like you're you're onto it though, right? Like the with the bad news bears analogy. Like it's it's really like there's there's there are no bad teams, just bad leaders. So I yeah. think you can take any group of people and with 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 confidence and like uh and consistency and 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 develop them to do what they thought wasn't possible for sure, but what even you thought might not have been possible i like surprising myself every year especially with the group of guys that we have now like we're, we're, we're gelling together so well that i wouldn't have been able to predict that for this year I, I would have predicted that maybe we lose a couple people and we make a couple new hires and we're kind of always in this static um you know flow of people leaving and people coming in but it seems like we have the attention of people right now and i think that um people are excited to see where this thing's going to go. So I'm that that's always a really good position to be in. And then um, another stitch, like another thing I think about a lot too, especially with, um, with consistency is it's not about the one shot or it's not about the shot that you can make one a thousand times, but it's about that. Sh- the, 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 the one shot you can make a thousand times. That's mm-hmm. usually, I, I usually say that better. So whatever. No, I, I get uh, it though. I'm, I'm about it. 
Yeah. About it. It's not about the one in a thousand shot you can make. It's about the one shot you can make a thousand times. It's a it's a Kobe Bryant quote. That's pretty sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a greatness quote for sure. Cause, yeah, because yeah, exactly. But all right, um, so let's let's tap in on yeah, let's tap in on this. So uh what's up, folks? Coming to you here from the Grojo, aka the room where I'm allowed to do fun activities in my basement. I'm also rocking the newest version of my very mobile standing desk for cannabis growers, the black and yellow 27 gallon tote on top of a folding table, uh, set my laptop on top of that. Got the mic right next to it. I'm feeling spry. I'm also in like this, um, fuck chairs kind of mentality right now as we're approaching, uh, the season. Cause I feel like every time I sit down, I either get tired or, you know, I'm slouching and my back's not feeling so good. So I'm, I'm rocking the, the standing desk, uh, pretty consistently. I've got a standing desk, uh, a custom one at the office. It's a microwave on top of a counter that I put my laptop on. Um, very so, nice. I didn't know you got a promotion. I did, man. It was, it was a uh, part of the package. It was part of the package, and I'm I'm living the the good life now. I'm actually uh, allowed to to have some sort of shelter. I don't have to do it all out of a truck, you know. Oh, that's awesome! So, dude, it's exciting to to reconnect. It's been a while since uh, we talked like this, um, and and uh, chopped it up on air. I think when it comes to folks that I can have the sort of conversation we're about to have. Um, there's not very many that are, are willing to, to get into it and have the mindset that you do. So it's, uh, really fitting that we're, um, going through the details on pretty much just not how not to grow, uh, an outdoor cannabis crop and all the ways, um, that we can talk about that, uh, you know, we haven't grown an outdoor cannabis crop very well, or we've seen outdoor cannabis crops, not grown very well. Um, and you know, we're never going to be able to highlight all the things that could go wrong or, uh, I'll never be able to highlight all the things that I've done wrong, but we can definitely share, um, ways not to grow an outdoor cannabis crop. So, um, yeah, man, grateful for you. Yeah, no, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, and you know, likewise, like uh, you're you're one of the first people that comes to mind. Like when I uh, when if I have like, any sort of friction throughout my day, I'm like, I wonder if Charlie's seen this. And uh, nine times out of ten, you're like, Yeah, I fucked that up at least three times today. So uh, let's, yeah, let's talk buddy. through it. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so uh, you know, like the the fact of the matter is, if growing were easy, especially cannabis growing were easy, everyone would do it. And people try to do it. Everyone tries to do it. I mean, oh yeah, I grew some plants in my closet. Ah, yeah, that's great. I, I love growing hobby plants too. Um, I can even tell you myself that sometimes if I were to grow hobby plants at the house, they wouldn't be that great because I wasn't putting the love and attention and energy and time and investment that we put into our, our systems, um, and what we do. Um, but you ever, right, it, uh... it, as you say, you ever like just you're slaying it at work, and then you're like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take this home, I'm gonna do a little something here, play around yeah. with some things, and then and then every day you get home and you're like, this isn't going well. No, <laughs> like, no, no, no. And you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah, yeah, nothing. Yeah, you're yeah, doing nothing. Yeah, exactly. So so like everyone tries to do it, and and it's and it's 
it seems easy, but the, it's it's not. And if you've been at it long enough, you know that the quote is, it's always something. Like you, it's it's got, something's going to happen. It's, a, it's a, a new thing every day. Maybe it's something that happened in the past that you didn't learn your lesson from enough and you're repeating it. Um, but like really growing a crop is more of preventing and, and solving problems than anything else. So I want to get into some times where maybe we each failed to plan um, and pretty much plan to fail what came of it, as well as, you know, what we learned from the experience. So um, I have like four or five that I could name off. I'm, I'm curious if you got one to start off the, the combo. Uh, well, I mean, it's a long list, right? So, you know, we're really, really good um, at taking projects from from zero to a thousand really fast in, in a short amount of time. So that 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 accounts for a, a lot of frustration, or leads to rather a lot of frustration, and um, it, it's very, very, it's very like honest right so as soon as you get into something you're very confident that you can pull it off and then you're you know you get about elbow deep in it and you're like this is about to slip away from me so what can i do to to, to reel it in and and literally it's 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 it goes back to the basics about nine times out of ten it's like well if i stop for a moment think about what i'm doing and then go forward rather than just run as fast as i can in any particular direction and try to finish this quickly um, i typically have a better result um one thing that um Man, one thing that we really screwed up last year is is exposing ourselves to time versus pressure. So what I what I mean by that is is literally so so this year um, we're we're taking the uh, complete opposite approach what we've done the last couple of years. The last couple of years we've tried to scale these really really large projects. So I've had to hold plants for an abnormally long amount of time, like yep. something that I would I would never recommend anybody do. Um, it's including myself. So I don't know why I thought that I could be confident and, and successful in doing this, but literally I watched almost probably 30 to 40% of our largest field and the largest field I've ever project that I've ever been a part of burn up to Septoria. And you might be like, well, you know, it's, it's Michigan, Septoria is prevalent. Like, you know, there's, there's sometimes nothing you can do about it. Um, which just is just clearly not true. So I think that really what I did is I exacerbated my situation by holding plants um, in, in flats for extremely abnormal, like amount of like long time, and then um, tried to act like those plants were just as young as they should have been. So um, you, you, you watch a small plant age in a, in a flat, and then you're like, all right, so as soon as I transplant this, everything's going to be fine. Um, which things improve. Yeah. But that plant's ability to fight off pathogens, especially mm -hmm. outside in, in Michigan has just, has just been greatly compromised. So if you have any pressure and you have a, a plant that's probably five times, minimally five times older than it should be, um, you don't really stand a chance of, of pulling off a successful crop. So, you know, when I say that we succumb to septoria, um, it's like, well, did you spray? Like, what was your IPM like? Like, did you do any tank mixes? How often did you spray? What did you use? And it's like, yeah, I did everything I normally would do any other time in the season. 
um, with absolutely zero success. And then, you know, we might have had a couple of odd other things happen, but literally, I think the the main thing that that really made us pay for our bad decisions was the age of the plants. Like, it, and, and it just it went well, but it didn't go as well as it could have. And I think every project's going to be like that to some degree, where you're like, yep. hey, you know, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had a project where you're just like, everything went perfect. No, um, hell no. Yeah, I, it's and I think if you get to that point, you just you just you're not seeing it, right? Like you, it's it's not that everything's perfect. You just stop looking. So yeah, I you think don't give that, it up, fucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean, that was that was my number one. That was probably the single costliest mistake that I had ever made. And 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 also like when you add age to a plant, you're literally not adding anything productive other than you increase your overhead, you increase your risk and susceptibility to to to, to any kind of pest pressure. And then um, on a schedule, like your your plants are just operating slower anyway. So so this year trying to reduce the friction is I've I've reduced the uh, the age of my plants going to the field uh, dramatically. Hell yeah, that's a really great nugget for uh anyone listening i personally can echo all of those uh statements from my my personal experience um, whether it's transplanting late into the field transplanting late into a pot transplanting late into a cube uh you know a, a six by six whatever it is if it's past its prime um you've already you know given it uh, an uphill battle and and that's it's really interesting that you observe that all the way through and i think that's a, a super um super important point to to like reverse engineer your propagation schedule to try to hit that you know that prime time and and it's really tough when you're also waiting on the spot where you're going to plant them to become ready so like sometimes it just happens and like you you have to deal with it but the next time that you deal with it you make all these moves to like hedge your bets against it so i think man that's a thank you for sharing that um that's a that's a big one that i think a lot of people that listen will will take and and run with hopefully yeah you know i I try to never repeat the same mistake twice so from from year one to year two i was like we're not doing that again so from year two when we did it again uh, i was like year two year three we could definitely not do this again and uh, yeah, we've completely um, flipped our propagation uh, schedule on its head. And, um, you know, this is another thing, too. I think that's a, a lot of fun. If you're on schedule, like, I mean, right on time, like things aren't ready until the day that you said they were going to be ready. It always feels like you're behind. So I think that that's, that's uh, that can point. add a yeah, that could add a little bit of anxiety to any situation, especially when we only have so much time in the year. We only have uh, so long of a window for opportune weather. Um, and uh, it, 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 when you're trying to size up moms um, and you don't already have well-established, like easy to predict, um, like, uh, like production cuts where, you know, you're looking at, you know, I have X amount of moms at X amount of square foot per mom. I can get X amount of cuts per square foot. And it's like, well, I'm pretty sure in two weeks I'll be able to set my watch to that. But right now I'm looking pretty fucked, but um, yeah, it's, it, adds, it adds a little bit of excitement to the season. The, the mother stock, 
indexing or like how many cuts am I going to get off of these mothers, especially between different cultivars, like trying to figure it out. Oh, between this bar and this bar, it is so much fucking fun and such a puzzle that frustrates the shit out of me as well. Because like, you know, you're like, Oh, am I, I going to be ready for this? And then you take a bunch of cuts off of like, you know, half of your, half of your mother stock. And you're like, Holy shit. I had way more cuts than I thought. We're averaging 11 cuts per plant. This is fucking sick. And then, the the next round like you hit it and you're like ah nope uh, we're only at like six and so it, then you're starting to wonder well who's taking cuts like how are they how are they grading <laughs> so like that so it's 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 a uh, mother stock and propagation is probably one of my my most fun favorite of all different uh production uh types just like we were talking about earlier before we hit record just the instant gratification of all right let's do it again let's do it again let's do it again. Let's do it again. Like I, I, I just want to see it happen over and over and like, how can we produce it in the least amount of time to look the best? So man, I'm stoked. I want to, we need to catch up in like six weeks after we get the crops, seven weeks after the crops are in the ground. Um, you know, however long that takes us to, to get to the season, it sounds like we both might be doing a little bit more than we planned for, uh, you know, early April. So, um, uh, when that happens, we should definitely talk about how propagation went and catch back up and, you know, get some, some lessons learned. Oh yeah, dude. No. And then, um, those, those pictures that, uh, I shared with you the other yeah. day, like yeah, those yeah. small plants, those are my mom's. That's how we're rocking, dude. So we're rocking, yep. we're, we're, we're like, we didn't have the space, uh, until probably like four weeks ago, but we finally got it created. And so like half of our mom stock is in two gallons right now. And they've been in there for about two weeks, uh, you know, type of thing. And then the other half are in four inch pots and they're getting transplanted up, uh, like in five days and they'll be growing out and we'll be taking a shit ton of cuts off of them for about a month, you know, and then throwing them away. Um, we, we've just seen too many problems with old moms as well. Like we, we, we struggle with the consistency after 70 days of making damn sure that that thing is irrigated in that Goldilocks zone. And when you fuck off an old mom's root zone, you're, you're in for trouble with, with, uh, the subsequent cuttings and just health in general. So, um, that dude, I'm stoked on it. We're both on the little mom train. Dude. Yeah. It has to, it has to be small, numerous donor plants or moms divide, you know, broken up into cycles, however, you, you know, yep. or ways, however you look at it. but it, you know, if you think about it like this too, like this just kind of, that just occurred to me, but it's the, uh, the thought occurred to me that, um, what's the, like we you know, senescence, you're trying to just battle age versus whatever you're up against the whole time. So if you've got a mom that's 90 days old or 120 days old before you even start taking cuts off of it, you've actually made one of the most expensive plants you possibly could. And then you're relying yeah. on that single plant to provide you with X amount of plants. And it's like, you've just stacked risk on top of risk on top of mm. risk. But like, there's always safety in numbers, right? So let's say if something happens where, I don't know, uh, part of the building falls on your crop and, you know, that killed my only moms of that strain. It's like, well, now I've got a thousand moms of one strain and we lost 250 of them. It wasn't a deal breaker. We were still able to squeak out what we wanted to. So I feel like I have more flexibility with what I'm trying to cut too. And like the amount of cuts that we're taking sounds like very, very intimidating, um when you think about it but then we were able to break it down to like hey we basically need three and a third cuts per square foot that doesn't really sound that oh, hard does it dog yeah i mean if you're if you're taking that per week and you got them things under the right amount of light in the right environment they're juiced like you you're gonna get 
you're going to get those cuts. And that's, that's the, I think like we were talking uh, earlier, that's the fun. And like, when you go in there and you actually get, you start seeing those cuts happen and you start seeing them, you know, 10 days later starting to root and, and looking good. You're like, fuck yeah. Like it actually hit. And it's, it's, um, I, I think mother stock production is an art in and of itself that a lot of growers uh, don't either get the chance to mess around with. I haven't had the facilities to do and whatnot um, or just don't want to mess with. And I, I love it. And so I'm uh, man, like I said, falling back up here in a month. Um, okay. So let me, Absolutely. let me tell you about, I'm going to, the most expensive mistake that I can think of here um, in this situation was, and this is a little bit, snowball effect <clears throat> i didn't plan for the right density of cover crop seed uh for the inner rows between our plastic rows so the strategy was like okay we're gonna do plastic culture and i love plastic culture we're doing it again this year uh, but we had to figure out what we were going to do in the the 42 inches in between the 30 inch plastic beds so it was like okay let's lay down some some clover some white clover white dutch clover and um we'll we'll do it at this density and man i've never fucked with white dutch clover here in northern michigan probably should have consulted the nrcs a little bit more or someone else on densities that kind of just like sent it off of what i was reading off the internet and once i got out there and i was doing it because i did like the first seven rows to, to like test it out physically see how dense it was and whatnot after i got those done i was like oh shit we're not gonna have enough seeds like i didn't buy enough and at that point in time like i just bought a lot of shit like you know the <laughs> the early part of an outdoor season uh the purchasing department like probably hates us because of all <laughs> of the things we're purchasing. You know what I mean? And we're like, hey, when's this coming? When's this coming? When's this paid for? You know, all those things. And so you're you're finally like you got your stuff. You're probably not going to get any more for a couple of weeks. And and it, you know, like that's not the right timing to be sewing it anyway. So I was like, well, I got to stretch this. So I made the executive decision right then and there to stretch it. Worst decision I could have made because it did not come up as a good stand. So I wasted the money on the clover seed first and foremost the the areas where i heavily seeded it it was crushing so like it did great but clover number one was a bad choice because down there in those areas where it was heavily densely seeded i had powdery mildew i had septoria it was like a green bridge for every nasty i could fucking think of so clover was a bad choice in the beginning first and foremost my density was also shit because it allowed all the rest of the weeds to come up well all the rest of the weeds started coming up. They were not low-lying weeds. They were sons of bitches that were growing, you know, 36 inches trying to tangle into my plants. So we had to hire, you know, a migrant crew to come out and crush it for us. And and just mow down all these weeds with hose because we didn't want to go in there with mowers and just blast all these spores everywhere, right? So like we spent an enormous amount of money in labor uh, opportunity cost, like supplies, all of these things. And we battled Septoria much more so because we had the green bridge. So lessons learned were got to consult more experts in the area, especially if you don't know the area well. Like if you're going to go with the green cover uh, crop 
which I definitely don't like think is a bad idea if you're not battling Septoria like we are. Um, like consult someone, figure out what the best density is, and then actually buy the right amount. That's the that's the advice there. But for me, seeing the success of growers around the state that had ground cover under their pots or ground cover uh, between their rows, they didn't have septoria very much if they did. So the green bridge is definitely a, a determining factor of, I, I think, in my, in my experience of the, the total amount of susceptibility you're going to have to septoria. I mean, there might be other shit around and, you know, trees and stuff like that, that you have on your property that could also contribute to it. But I think the least amount of vegetation you have around the plants, the better. So we're going to rock our plastic culture and we're also going to spend, you know, pretty penny on getting ground cover out and putting ground cover in between our rows. We're going to leave our drive rows uh, because we have a drive row uh, every block of, of uh, four. Um, we're going to leave the drive row uh, open and we're going to till that consistently so we don't have any vegetation there. I'd much rather have dust than vegetation in Septoria. But that's the plan. I don't know if it's the best plan. It seems like it's better than what I did last year. Um, seems like we're going to save more money. Seems like we'll prevent more Septoria. Um, also, using some of the tech that we learned last year in consulting with you know, Ducky and you and other growers on like, Hey, what spray, spray rotations working best for you to cut, you know, to, to keep it down. Um, so I think all those things considered like, plus what you're talking about, making sure that I'm getting out on time and not allowing things to sit. Uh, maybe we'll fare better with Septoria in general and increase our yield, decrease the cost. Um, and that's kind of, you know, that's that's the biggest one. I had a T-post debacle where I just decided to use less T-posts than we should have in late they're September. Expensive. Yeah, yeah, they're no, they're super expensive. And, and check this out. It wasn't that I had to buy more. This is even more cheap of me. <laughs> okay. It wasn't that I had to buy more, Corey. It was that I was gonna have to spend more labor on putting them in. And I was like, let me take, you know, one seventh of the amount of T-post labor off here right like let's just do that right now cut that off and uh i ended up adding probably triple um the amount of labor in the rain the Ooh. day of my birthday and before my birthday pounding in t-posts pulling up plants that had fallen over um happy birthday you know. yeah 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 I was like whoa so uh that but those dude, are yeah like i love just it like so it's it's those circumstances or those like instances that really like shape your character like for, for a long time after that, right? Like there's nothing more humbling than making that decision and then having it work out that way and then have to fight it even harder on your birthday in the rain. Like I feel, you know, like there's something very special about how those things compounded against you that will make you never fucking do that again. Oh yeah, dude. Like I'm, I'm taking on this, I'm taking on this new mentality. I didn't really have a way to put the mentality until I, I listened to this, um, this YouTube, this, like this two minute short, one of my homies who, who's, uh, kind of like a mentee. He's, he's become, you know, more of a, a friend than a mentee, but he was a grower that, um, I kind of coached in probably two or three years ago. And he's, you know, gone on, done better things and uh, managing a greenhouse. 
down south in in Florida uh, doing veggies with Syngenta nice. and whatnot. So he's crushing it, right? But he he sent me this video one morning. He was like, "Dude, I think you're gonna fucking love this if you don't if you don't know what it is." He was like, "He's like, this is you, um, about like this is your mentality type of thing." And I it, it like it shook me after I've watched it probably fifteen. 20 times now because it's like so good and I'm going to play it for the team on Monday, but like it's Jocko. Uh, uh, what's his last name? Willinick. Willink. Um, yeah. Wh- however. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's talking about how he had a subordinate that would always come up to him with problems and issues. And he would respond with good. And the guy would be like, ah, oh, you know, why are you saying good? You know, like what, what, what's good about it? He goes with every problem, with every with every issue, there's there's something good gonna come of it. You know, like you didn't get that promotion, good. You got more time to go sharpen the axe, right? Like, oh, you didn't you you didn't get that personal record, good. You're gonna go back, do it better. You're gonna get a better personal record than you would have got the first time. Like taking that sort of mentality and and taking hardships and looking at them through that lens is like it's infectious dude and i think that if you can if i can establish that on the team i think there's portions of our team that will get so much stronger with that attitude because they have a problem solving attitude but it takes some time to get there and i think if we can just like boom problem good like and and just rip on it I think we're going to, we're going to see like crazy results. And so like, that's, that's something that like you're talking about those things shape us. Those things are gifts, like good. That exactly. Yeah. You know, it's uh, you can either be happy and never satisfied or satisfied and never happy. Yeah. (laughs) That's sick. Oh man. That one's, that one hits that one. That would definitely like that. okay so, yeah everyone okay. thinks that there's like you know there's going to be like a x amount of money that you're going to make and you'll be happy there's going to be a x amount of things you can do and then you'll be happy but you know it really just keep you know it comes from doing the things every single day being more and more consistent with it and then putting yourself in a better place every single day and i think that kind of just it's it's fulfillment based more than anything if you can start finding fulfillment in the mundane then you won yeah buddy that's it I dig that attitude. Hell yeah. Okay, so uh, quote, probably going to need a bigger dry room is typically uh, a comment you're going to hear during a, a bumper crop harvest. Um, if we can't dry it, why the hell did we grow it? Uh, what have you gone without during a crop production cycle and how did that turn out? Um, I'll start with um we were expecting to dry a little bit differently than we did last year and it was it was a cluster to start with but we we pulled it off uh and i think my beliefs got broken last year and it was it was good that these beliefs were broken because i had a very uh different uh mindset i think before harvest took place last year because it taught me that holy shit like you're gonna figure it out like if you care enough you're gonna figure it out and and if you give enough bucks like it's it's gonna work uh to some extent and like you're gonna get it done 
and I think that's that's what we did. I think that um, you know we'll probably continue to stretch the limits on what we're actually capable of drying and processing compared to what we're going to grow. Um, and you know, it is what it is. It's good because I'm learning <laughs> how to deal with those types of things and still produce the quality that, that we expect. Um, and so like for me, I think when it comes to infrastructure that like you have to have when it comes to pulling off a bumper crop or I guess infrastructure that you don't want to have. If you don't want to have a bumper crop, you definitely don't want to have drying space or any way to hang dry. You probably want to have a structure that's made out of wood that will like cave in. If you try to use the trusses for support for your drying, you definitely want to have something that's not structurally sound, right? Uh, probably, <laughs> don't, probably don't want to have anywhere for bucking, processing or storage after you dry it you want to do all that in the same room where you're drying like underneath where you're drying probably so it's like dusty as fuck and there's just shit going up you also want to be bringing in a lot of wet flour to the spot that is very dry next to it um i've done that have before. we worked together this, this all <laughs> sounds very familiar <laughs> i've done that before you you uh you want to make sure that when you have super sacks full of uh, as I call them, stonks, right? 24 inch, beautiful colas. <laughs> uh, you want to make sure your stonk super sacks uh, get stacked two and three high. So the bottom ones just compress into a stonk pancake, right? You definitely <laughs> want to make sure you, you want to make sure that happens. Um, you want to make sure that you have no place whatsoever to pressure wash any of the old totes that are grimy as fuck that you need to put smokable flour in. You don't want to have anywhere to wash those. You don't want to have any supplies for that. You want to do that outside in the rain and the sand. That's probably the best place to do that. If you don't want to uh, succeed with your, your harvest. And then um, my other piece of advice is, you don't want to have any mud rooms or vegetables or anything like that on any of your dry rooms or your facilities or anything like that. You just want to like walk straight in from the outside. You don't want to like have any PPE or anything like that. You just want to be dirty as fuck and track in everything as like you, you want to be just as nasty inside as you are outside. That's <laughs> how you want to operate. And, and you also want to not have any backup power for any of the systems so that inevitably during that, that September or October storm, um, when the power goes out for 12 hours and you've got a full dry room, you want to make sure you have no way of cooling that down or taking the, the humidity uh, out of that room. So it just kind of fucking sits in its own filth. Right. Or if, um, or if you did have the wherewithal to think about having a backup generator, make sure it's undersized. Make sure it's undersized. Make sure you cannot access any diesel within 50 miles, right? Don't have any diesel that you can go get if it's a if it's a diesel. Um, all of all of these things are surefire ways that I've learned uh, to not be as successful as you want. Um, some of those lessons have been learned personally. Some of them I've seen uh, elsewhere. Some of them I've. Uh, you know, was consulting on projects that had things like this happen. Um, it's a surefire way to be upset in the end in some way, shape or form. But I think, like you said, like it's either going to get done or it's not. And to what extent is the question. 
You are listening to Success Up North. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave a review. The true litmus test of this podcast impact is what listeners say about it. If you found value in this content, please share it with others. If you'd like access to video and written content like this, let's connect on LinkedIn. Until next time, just grow with it.